Well, it's been a long day, and it's been a great weekend. I will tell you all about Allison's new baby and something I found in an etiquette book from probably 100 years ago that's fascinating about what a guy can do when he has no money but wants to ask a girl out. Hey, listen, you might not be in either of those situations. You might not be the guy with no money. You might not be the girl who wants to get asked out. And neither am I, but I still found it really interesting. Some of the things we're going to cover this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Well, what a week it's been here in the uh, old household. My daughter Allison had her first baby, Ava Louise, last week. Now, I know there's really not a whole lot more boring than hearing about somebody else's baby, so I won't spend a lot of time. It's not even my baby. It's my daughter's baby, but it's my baby's baby. And so uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I will say, go to my blog page. You can see her picture, and she's just a little peanut. She's a tiny girl. She's only She was only born at 5 pounds, 12 ounces. And um, in the meantime, Chase's sister, my son Chase, his sister had a baby today. Chase got a niece and nephew within a few days of each other. She was born, this, this, the nephew was born a month early and still weighed a pound more than Allison's baby. So Allison's baby is tiny, but she's healthy. She's got a good set of lungs on her and she's got a good appetite and everything is going well. So we knew that she was coming. We knew that she was running late and they induced her on Tuesday night at 5. She was born the next morning at 4.50, and uh, pretty trouble-free labor. I think Allison said she pushed for an hour, and um, uh, she's fine, and they gave her a bath, and I got to hear her like little voice for the first time on video. Friday, we went to her house and um, masked up, sanitized our hands, and we got to hold little Ava, and... Um, you know, it was quite the moment because I've got two other grandkids. I've got Kelsey and I've got Liam. This is Susan's first grandkid. Even though the other kids call her grandma and she treats them just like a loving grandma would and makes cookies and, you know, gets some presents and things like that, this is her first real one. And I really understand that. You know, it's kind of like um, I, I don't have anything to compare it to, but it doesn't need a comparison. It's her first real grandkid from her daughter. So it's very special. So. Depending on when you listen to this, um, I think by sometime uh, Monday, all of the pictures will be up of little Ava Marie, named after, I don't know where Ava came from, but I really like it. Uh, I keep saying Ava Marie, and I got to get that out of my mind. It's not Ava Marie, it's Ava Louise. Um, uh, Ava Louise, I don't know where I get Ava Marie, but Louise is my mom's name, so named after my mom, but also Allison's husband, Justin had a grandfather that passed away a year or so ago, and his name was Louie. So it's Louise and Louie, and I really like that. So there's something meaningful there. Um, So there's that story, and I sat down tonight to do the podcast. It was the last thing that I had to do today. I've done everything else in a day that I needed to do. I worked on the show. I spent probably three hours writing a parody song for the show and then finding somebody to sing it because it's a woman singing it. It's to a pink song. And Fallon, let's be honest, Fallon loves to sing, but she's not a good singer. God love her. Um, And Jenny's not a good singer either. And I wanted a woman to sing it because pink is a woman and it would feel weird to have a guy sing it. 
So I found someone and I hope it's going to work out and she agreed and she's a great sport. I don't want to put her on the spot by saying her name right now just in case for some reason she changes her mind and decides not to do it. But it's somebody you've heard of, local artist, and um, that should debut on the show sometime on Tuesday. So I did that, and then I ran 3.1 miles. Well, I ran the first two miles, then I walked the last mile. Then I got home. I put up a bunch of blog posts because, again, one of our jobs every week is putting up blog posts and putting up pictures for Allison and the baby and what I did my weekend in five photos. So then I sat down. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do my podcast today because it's just one more thing. It's already coming up on 9 o'clock, and I've been working for a lot of the day. But I thought, you know what? I have to. I can't do a podcast on the weekend my granddaughter was born and not do a podcast that talks about that. But then I said there's really not much else to talk about. So I go upstairs and Carson, my son, he's 19, home from college, can't wait to get back to college. Um, He has been assigned the duty of putting together the crib that we bought for Ava Louise. Thank you. When she is here visiting. So Carson's like, put together the crib. Can you do that? He's like, I don't know how. said, Carson, nobody knows how to put together a crib. That's why there are instructions in there. So please go put together the crib. So about a half an hour ago, he started. I went upstairs to check on his progress and he's doing pretty good. And I walk in the room, coincidentally, Allison's old room where we're going to put the crib and I'm making room for the crib and I see a book sitting on the counter. And it's fascinating because it's an old etiquette book that I bought probably at a garage sale or a flea market or somewhere, and it's called Etiquette by Emily Post. Emily Post was the queen of etiquette back in the day. Let me find the date that this was published. Um, It's going back a long way. It's going to be, I should have looked at this in advance, but this is etiquette and it's all probably things that have changed. All right, 1945. I said earlier it was about 100 years old, but apparently it was written in 1945. Oh, wait, original edition copyright, 1922, with some revisions and reprinting um, in 1945. So it is about 100 years old. So I found this really interesting. It's full of like outdated etiquette, and it's very sexist, and it's very just weird. But I found this after flipping through a couple of pages, and I really like it. So though I don't have much to share with you on the podcast this week, and uh, normally I try to get something with some meat in here, I thought this is truthful even today. I'm going to read this to you word for word. Etiquette, modern man and girl. This part's all about dating. And remember, this was about 100 years ago that this was written. But I want you to listen and see if it still holds true today. Word for word, here we go. Let us imagine a young man who is lucky enough to have a regular job, but whose pay leaves very little for luxuries, in which he naturally includes amusements. The question that he asks himself is this, how can he take a nice girl out? How can he ask a girl, let us say, like Sally Hibbern, oh, Highborn, I think she's trying, she makes a pun with names here, like Sally Highborn, so in other words, Sally was born, you know, an upper class. How can he ask a girl, let's say, like Sally Highborn, used to luxury as she is, to spend an evening that couldn't help being, well, not very impressive. Jim Clerking hasn't a car at all. He can't possibly buy her orchids. 
he dare not even risk the bill for luncheon, let alone dinner at a high-class restaurant, and down-in-front orchestra seats at a successful play are entirely out of reach. So what can he do? This is where it gets interesting. Of course, the point to make is that Sally is precisely the type of girl who wouldn't care whether he bought seats for the latest musical comedy or went to a second-showing picture theater. Having all of her life been used to things that many people look upon as luxuries, she finds that they in themselves mean nothing to her. Isn't that interesting? It goes on to say, It is the girl with an inferiority fear who wants to be driven in a high-powered car to the Fritz Cherry. I don't know what the Fritz Cherry is, but that's either a real fancy place or an imaginary fancy place. It is the girl with an inferiority fear who wants to be driven in a high-powered car to the Fritz Cherry to be conspicuously decorated with orchids because she has no standards except those of cost. To Sally Highborn, on the other hand, the one thing that really counts is the man she is going out with. Giving her choice between dining at the Fritz Cherry with Dull and Rich, she gives a guy a funny name, D-U-L-L-A-N, Rich, Dull and Rich, get it? And going to a cafeteria with Bob Bright, she would choose the cafeteria every time. So, to you who hesitate because you do not think that whatever you have in mind is good enough for the nicest girl in the world, the advice is ask her by all means to whatever you can afford. In fact, if it is simple, the way she responds is rather a measure of the quality of the girl she is and of her liking of you. The important thing is to be unselfconsciously frank yourself and take the fact of having or not having money casually. I really like that. That's, that's a wholesome truth even today. Because think about it. If a girl likes a guy and she knows he doesn't have any money, but he's a decent guy, she'd probably rather go out with him because he's a nice guy. Because she's gone out to great restaurants in a Porsche convertible a million times. So uh, if a guy doesn't have any money... She knows he doesn't have any money as long as he's a decent guy. She shouldn't care. It's only the girl who is, what'd she say, has an inferiority fear that will measure a guy by the amount of money that he spends. I really thought that was good. I don't know. That, that just really struck me. I might read a page out of the, the etiquette book next week as well. Let me know what you think if you want to hear more of those because it really is interesting. Okay, one email that I have to remember to read that it just dawned on me that I got an email last week, and it was a really good one, so I want to go back and find this one. Hey, how are you? I'm going to stall and spend some time here stalling. Anyway, Rachel. No, that's not it. That's not it. No, Aaron. Here we go. All right, Aaron... Godfrey says this. Dave, if you're reading this, thank you. Like a lot of others, I've been listening to The Morning Show for a long time, and I just want to say thank you for making my work morning so much more bearable. And I don't listen as much in the summer since I'm a teacher, um, uh, and I don't quite get up early enough to listen. So I apologize if you've already talked about this, but what are your thoughts on Hamilton? I know you enjoy history, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. I hated history in school, but since watching Hamilton, I found myself more interested and doing some more reading and learning a lot. Um, I haven't seen Hamilton. I want to see it. It doesn't, honestly, musicals just don't really interest me that much, but everybody raves about Hamilton to the point where it feels like i got to see it. But I've also heard people say, it moves so fast that it's hard to follow. Read the Wikipedia page with the description of what's going on before you see it. So, Aaron, I don't really have any thoughts on that. She goes on to say, The other quick piece I had 
was about livable wages from your last podcast. Although I agree that starting from the bottom and making less money in the beginning is a good thing for many reasons, I had to disagree about not making a livable wage. Last week on the podcast, I talked about paying your dues and getting into a business that you love even though it doesn't pay anything. And for example, I use photographer as an example. If your dream is to be a photographer and you open up a photography studio in the first year, you make $18,000, but you're growing, then that's okay. It's not a livable wage, but next year you'll make more. So you spend a couple of years paying your dues. I'm a big believer in that, but I'm open for discussion. She said, I had to disagree about not making a livable wage. In my experience, those individuals not making a livable wage turn to work outside their field just to pay the bills since their dream job can't cover enough to just break even. It's a slippery slope that can bring you farther away from your goals. I'm lucky to have a partner to help me with the bills, but if I were to live alone on my teacher's salary, I would forever be working two to three jobs to put any money away in the bank. I'm sure there are many angles to this scenario, but that's just my two cents. Thanks for reading and putting your time and effort into the podcast. I appreciate it, Aaron. Hey, I totally agree. I will tell you one thing that I taught a friend of mine, one of my best friends, was a recruiter at Brown College. Brown College isn't around anymore, which is a shame. Um, it first was called Brown Institute, and they were famous for their radio broadcasting program. Then they d developed into a cooking program and chefs and daycare, I think, and other things too. And then they closed down. But Brown College here in, uh, uh, in Minnesota was a great college. He was a recruiter, and he said a very common situation is somebody will get out of high school, and they'll get a job that lets them live with a roommate, and they can afford it. And they'll put off going to college because now they've got a job working at, you know, Kohl's or managing a McDonald's or whatever it is. They're making enough, but not a lot. And I'm trying to remember exactly how the scenario, go scenario goes. They can't afford to go to school. Oh, I know what it is. They get an apartment. Now they're paying rent. They get an apartment. And now they're working their job at Kohl's and they can't afford to go back to school. So they put it off, and they put it off, and they put it off. Um, so this guy said, basically, don't put off going to school. Go to school. Don't go work at Kohl's. Don't get a job. Don't, you know, whatever. And because what happens is down the road, you have kids. And then 20 years later, your kids move out. Now you finally have the time and money to go to school, but you've got a 20-year disadvantage on the people who are going right now. So I hope that made some kind of sense. I think I almost confused myself. But I think there's all kinds of things, the order you can do it. But I'm a big believer in living very, very lean and living with just enough to get by, but living your dream. Because you know what? You're right, Aaron. You might not have enough money, and then you start working another job somewhere at Kohl's, at Burger King. You're also working at the car wash or whatever. And, uh, and now you've gotten away from your dream. That, that might be true, but at the same time, you still want to follow that dream. That's what we all want to do. I don't know. I'm a big believer in paying your dues. I'm a big believer in saying, you know what? I got a weekend job at the TV station, and I'm happy to have it because I have a foot in the door. It only pays me $18 an hour for you know 10 hours a week, but it's a foot in the door, so somewhere down the road, I can get a better job at the TV station. Or I can go work in a factory making widgets 
making $28 an hour, making better money, and I can live on that, but who wants to make fucking widgets for the rest of their life? So something for you to think about. I am not one to tell you what to do, but one day if we sit down and have lunch, I'll tell you exactly what you should do. I have no idea. All right, thanks for listening. We got a little more uh, time out of this than I thought we would. Let me know your thoughts on uh, the wages, the baby, the etiquette advice, what a guy should do if he's broke and wants to date a girl but doesn't have any money to take her out. Should he just not take her out? Or should he take her out to, like, you know, the dollar theaters? Oh, wait, they're not open. All right, have a great week. Don't forget the book is Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. And it's also available on Kindle. It's available at Itasca Books. And it might be available here and there at different bookstores. But last I checked, and I haven't checked for a month, there were about 70 copies that were still unsold. So let's get rid of them. (laughs) They make a great back-to-school present? I don't know. That's a whole other topic, right? All right, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. (laughs) 